all right, listen, how about this? How about I'm going to make a statement, and if it's a true statement, then you don't have to correct me. Is what Michael has incurable? Yeah, that's a question. You got to, it has to be a, right, state, has to be a, a statement. statement, and then the truth. All right, so my statement is, what Michael has is incurable. That's it. Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at NomcastPod, or you can follow me at JokesOnDrew on Twitter and Instagram. This week, we take a look at the latest Duplass Brothers film, Paddleton, which focuses on two misfit neighbors whose unlikely friendship becomes an unexpected emotional journey when Michael, played by Mark Duplass, is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Playing the opposite of Duplass is Ray Romano, who is coming off his small but pivotal role in The Big Sick, but is largely known for his stand-up and sitcom career. The movie is directed by Alex Lehman, who previously worked with Mark Duplass on his documentary Asperger's R Us and the indie drama Blue Jay. To break this one down, I enlisted the services of Chad Davis, host of the Hang With Chad podcast and previous guest of the show from our Christmas Chronicles episode. Be sure to search for Hanging With Chad on social media. He is currently running a great charity event at Blast Birthday Parties in Waterford, raising money in honor of a family dealing with the loss of their child to cancer. Go to TicketBud.com and search for Hanging With Chad on the events page to get tickets for their adult night event or to donate to the cause. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Give a listen. I thought what I said today was, I was very proud of myself when I talked to you about Paddleton, where it was like, <laughs> no, I'm a purist. Somebody has to have cancer to play the game. <laughs> That's why Ray Romano is bullshit for offering to teach uh, that little kid at the end uh, to play Paddleton. It's like, no, no, no. Wait, do you have cancer is what he should have said to that kid. Do you have cancer? Because that's what we all need for that. All right, so let's run this down. So this movie, I, it was, it's been on my radar for a while because I'm a Duplass guy. Yeah, I like Mark Duplass. Yep, me too. And this movie comes out, and you hit me up, and you're like, "Hey, this movie's very good. We should talk about this." Yeah. And I watched the movie, and I'm like. Wow, what a turnaround from the last time we did an episode where you're like, hey man, Christmas Chronicles was dope. We should talk about this. It's a nice, lighthearted Christmas movie. Yeah. And now you're like, hey man, I want to talk about assisted suicide <laughs> and progressive masculine characters uh, and, you know, uh, and, and obviously cancer. So, yeah, I think that's. That's a weird bingo game for you. That's yeah. hitting a lot of different spots. Yeah, it's a complete 180, man. It's I, I've always I, I like all sorts of movies, so yeah. Um, there's no range. So in you're my... into Duplass. You're into that that mid range, uh, weird like indie sap story. I mean, I guess it doesn't even need to be sap because Duplass really runs the gamut. Because some of my favorite stuff that he does is like safety not guaranteed 
Yeah. Uh, which is a nice quirky kind of update on like what an indie sci-fi type movie would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or things like that. Cause that, that's really my wheelhouse for Marty Plast. I don't know what your history with him is. Well, my history, I, I, I kind of started getting to know him when he was on the league. Okay. Um, saying like, that's where he, re- that's really where I found him most fun and endearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really followed the rest from there. Yeah, I mean, I, think I, I may have seen Safety Not Guaranteed before that, and maybe, depending on, no, yeah, the league was on pretty early, so, yeah. Yeah, the league was on from 2009 to 2015. Right. So, and then, um, he may have had Puffy Chair 2012. and some other smaller stuff before the league, but, you he, know, not Yeah, the Puffy Chair, yeah. 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 I also like the movie uh, Cyrus. Yes. Well, so Cyrus and which I saw in theaters, I was Me totally too, yeah. into that. And uh, Jeff, who lives at home, are basically a Duplass production. Mm-hmm. Not with, I don't think Mark is in either of those. Am I, I don't, wrong? I don't think I remember seeing him in Cyrus. I don't think he's in either. Yeah, I, if he is, he's a side character. I think they're co-directors and obviously producers on both. Yeah, I think usually what they do is. Kind of like how the Cohen brothers are, where they usually have either Joel or Ethan sometimes as like the listed director. Yeah. And they do the same thing where it's like an uncredited director thing as far as like IMDb is concerned. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, yeah, Jay directed this one technically, but it's a Mark and Jay. Yeah. They always put their names together. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously they have a long history with these type of indie projects, these sentimental movies, because I. I've heard interviews with with at least actually I've heard Mark and Jay Duplass on separate podcasts where they're really dialed in emotional guys. They they have an incredibly healthy, great relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, even to this day, I think they both do uh, Room One Hundred Four on HBO, and they 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 continue to do projects together. I know that, but they've started to kind of do a lot of things on on their own like i know jay uh is currently on what's that i can't help you on transparent 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 oh i like uh, how you got there on that one yeah (laughs) trans i'm I'm amazing yeah (laughs) yeah well to be honest it kind of narrows it down to be what's that trans show portation on amazon prime yeah (laughs) if they have more than one congratulations (laughs) but man I'd be I'd be swinging for a while if that was not the case. So, so I think they've kind of gone a little bit separate lately. But to be honest, like they but they they have an incredibly healthy relationship, and and it's an enviable situation. And it seems like they had an incredible upbringing that kind of brings these kind of characters and these scripts out that has very positive male energy that isn't this kind of like because you can you can definitely see this movie if you took it in a Judd Apatow sense yep and it would be completely different mm-hmm. everything in this movie you would have to kind of couch and be like oh we have to make a few jokes here to be like hey they're not gay hey this guy hey we got to make sure that they don't come off gay yeah hey I'm not gay just remember I'm not gay it would be that so many times because look at like a knocked up or something where that was like a repeated, you know, how I know you're not. Uh, well, that was 40 year old version. 40 year old. Yeah. Like you have these Judd Apatow movies where it was kind of, every time a male character would get too involved with the other, it would be 
hey, we have to knock this back a few Knock it down inches. a little bit, yeah. yeah. But this movie, it's a, a, a light hearted, obviously with a heavy emotion with what the, the movie brings to the table with cancer and assisted suicide. Yeah. But for the most part, it's about this relationship. It's about this friendship. And it's two weird guys who found each other and, yeah. and, and in a completely platonic way. Yeah, I, I, and that's what I loved about it was like they, they did have a couple of scenes where they did hit upon like people thought they were gay or whatever. Right. There was like maybe one or two times like somebody questioned Yeah, when it. they're at the end. Yeah. Which, to be honest, of all the times you're going to bring it up. Exactly. It's going to be that. Yeah, it was, a per- it was a perfect time to bring it up. And, and they do kind of question it at the hospital in the beginning. Yeah, and, and but the whole thing is, is like throughout the whole movie, you yourself as a viewer, you're not even 100% sure that if – but but at the same time – I never time, really felt like it was I didn't direction. until they brought yeah. it up. Yeah. Until they brought it up into the in, at the end, right. I just assumed it was like a platonic like yeah, loving relationship between two great friends. Yeah, they hang and then they lot. brought it up and I'm like – and then I kind of like thought to myself, "Is like, did they bring it up on purpose, or maybe we're gonna find something out? Like, maybe they were secretly in love, or, yeah. or maybe one of them was in love with the other one, uh, and then he was conf- gonna confess at the end, or something like that. Right. That's that. That was the kind of stuff that I don't know if he did it on purpose, right? Uh, or you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just it was it was a it was a beautiful movie, man. Like it was just just watching it, you're like, man, like you, you wish you had a friend like a friend like that, like. I actually think I do, and it made me really think at certain points yeah. what I would have to endure to go through that. And and I've had friends who have had untimely death, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I've never had something to where it was chosen. Yeah. That, I think, is a hard choice for anybody. And I yeah. think the, the best way of displaying that and the way they, they constructed the characters was to me this movie is Ray Romano's story. Yeah. I know it's obviously going on to Duplass's Michael character, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think everyone can resonate with Ray Romano's character, Andy, because he's basically the audience character. Because we're he's going through all the motions that we're going through. Going, what would I do? Yeah, how would I react? How is he? going to get through this yeah and and i think it's a beautiful that's the humanity that this movie hinges upon and kudos to ray romano he kills it amazing and so i listened to an interview with the director alex lerman and or excuse me alex layman and and he's worked with duplass before he did a documentary (laughs) with duplass uh Asperger's R Us, mm-hmm. uh, which got some play out there, and then they worked on a movie the same year, 2017, Blue Jay, which was basically yeah. Duplass and Sarah Paulson uh, in this kind of smaller indie movie. And now they're bringing it again into the fold. And and the and the thing he said in the interview was basically like Romano, they they sought him out basically because he he's starting to turn. That corner, he's yeah. kind of becoming. You saw it where it started with men of a certain but age. men of a certain age, yeah. And then you see his turn in parenthood being this very important kind of turn for him to be kind of that bridge between both things to where it's a, a TNT show where it's that is still kind of more of a straight comedy a little bit, but it has certain tinges. Yeah, parenthood really dove into some of those real life issues that kind of set the table for something like this. 
Then he does the big sick. Big sick, yeah. And and he's great in that. Yeah. And and it kind of sets the table again for this. Yeah. So I think he's perfect casting for this. And and, and don't he just released a Netflix spe- uh, special too. Well, Netflix loves to do that. They yeah. love to kind of pair, and HBO does it too from yeah. time to time. You're seeing it now with uh, Pete Holmes released his last two specials at the same time as each crashing, crashing season yeah. we're coming through. So, but this one, Ray Romano, and by the way, kudos, uh, very good special. It was I very good. Yeah. I, I was super surprised by it. And and it's kind of fun to see bouncing between venues and things like that. We can, that's a whole other separate yeah. tangent, but Romano's a killer, man. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a pro, and that's what makes this actually even more impressive because his acting turn, yes, he was on a sitcom for nine years, but I think, you know, people, if you told me in the Everybody Loves Raymond period that this is where he would end up, yeah. nobody would suspect that. No, definitely and, not. And the impressive thing about this, too, is that um, the movie is largely improv. Oh, I didn't know that. So basically, they went in with a skeleton outlet out, outline mm-hmm. uh, script, and then each day they would kind of go over like, okay, we need in this scene, every scene they would do improv, and they would they would basically do all right. We'll start with A. We need to get to B and C, but everything of however you guys want to play this out, that's what we're gonna do. Nice. So then they lay it out, which is also very impressive. Like, yeah. Because you can't come from a stand-up background and go, oh, yeah, no, I could just improv myself out of this. Two totally That's, different beasts. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he can definitely hang with a guy like Duplass, which is impressive. And actually, like I said, this movie hinges on him. So to to have this movie be successful, he has to bring a depth to this character that's fun, quirky, but have an emotional depth and a connection. Yeah. And he rides all, all of it. Yeah. Now, do you think uh, his improv, like, I can kind of see, like, everybody loves Raymond. Like, they probably let him improv. Uh, improv? Is that the right sure. word? Sure. Improv. Yeah. I, I bet they, they let him improv a lot in that show. Yeah. Like, because, it, it, I mean, basically it was, it wasn't kind of based on his life or. Yeah. Kind of to an extent, yeah, yeah. To, a, to a certain extent or whatever. Sure. So I could I could see. I mean, nine years being on a show where they kind of, you know, you're the you're the boss, kind of. Like you're the you're the head guy, and right. they just kind of let him go off Those, on tangents sometimes. You see yeah. it when you're watching the show sometimes sure. that you kind of just like that was really super funny. Like it kind of felt like it wasn't scripted or anything. Sure. Like he was just kind of maybe later on in the years after you know after working with somebody. Or people for six years. Yeah, absolutely. You get to know them a lot more, and you just kind of can go off on your own tangent yeah. sometimes, and it probably works. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I I didn't know this movie was like that though. That was that's that brings a, a totally different perspective to this movie. Well, an even funnier thing that I thought anyway from from the interview that I heard of him, he said that the halftime speech thing mm-hmm. was all Romano. Really, like basically, Romano was crafting a halftime speech on his own yeah and he thought hey i have this speech thing and i think it could work and then they built it in and then made it an even bigger carry through throughout the movie after he used that it's basically just well what if we did this this might be kind of fun yeah like it was something he was doing on his own 
Yeah. And he brought it to the table and it and it hits a home run. No, every time. Like every yeah. time he mentions it, like I'm like I'm ready for the speech. Yeah. And it just kind of like I just found this I found this movie like s- super super funny in a dark yeah. way. Yeah. Um I just thought it was cool how they could make a really dark movie like what this movie is. Yeah. And have some really super almost like you don't feel comfortable laughing out loud. Yeah. But you still laugh out loud a little bit. Yeah. There was this one joke in it, and it was my favorite joke. Do we do spoilers on this? Or Oh, absolutely. All right, okay. Um, where they're actually buying the pills, the 100 yes. pills. Yeah, yeah. And he throws out this joke. I can't remember the exact, but it has something to do with it. He said it very lightly, almost like you couldn't hear it unless you were really paying attention. He said something like, I mean, 100 or some, anything yeah, will probably yeah. kill you. Well, that's actually. I'm glad you brought that scene up because it is literally my favorite scene. Yeah, in, it was a whole movie. It was an amazing where they're scene. Emptying out the hundred pills into the glass. Yeah, because that scene tells you everything about this relationship and about this movie and and everything that's good about it all in one scene because they're basically confessing things to each other. Something that somebody would do if you know you're facing down the end of someone's life and you have that opportunity yeah but there's also like so it turns into a confessional but it's lighthearted stuff it's like hey i you know i didn't want you to move in yeah. hey i was married before so that gets a little yeah. heavy yeah but then it almost rounds out with hey there's no answer to the shirt uh, you know, the, the hangman, the hangman shirt. shirt yeah that i gave you yeah that and it which is completely perfect for this character which again I would imagine, I don't know if that part's improv or not, and whether the shirt, because they made the shirt. Yeah. If they constructed that idea, that's brilliant. Yeah. And and I, I thought that, if you want to talk about a moment that would have brought me to tears, was the, the explanation for the shirt. Yeah. Where it's like, there is no answer, because I knew if I told you the answer... Or if you figured out the answer, you'd be sad. You'd be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. And he said that it ended up being your favorite shirt because it took you a year and a half to and never getting it, but constantly wearing it to try to figure this out. Exactly. And it's it turned into your favorite shirt. And I thought that is poetic as poetic as this movie could be. Yeah. That's poetic. Yeah. That was it was an amazing scene. Like. I I thought the ending towards the end of this movie were, were was some of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, and just from them, you know, riding together to go uh, to this one pharmacy that you know helps with this situation or whatever. Right, and meeting meeting different people along the way. It was weird because like you you met the pharmacist and then he shows back up. Right, and you you think that he's shout gonna... out to Kadeem Hardison, by the way. I have no idea who that is. No way. You didn't watch a different world growing up? No, nah, that was before my time. No, come on. How old are you? I watched it, but I was too young to understand it. I thought we were just around the same age. Yeah, but uh... you didn't watch a different world after watching Cosby Show. As a I kid? did watch it, but I just don't remember it that well. Like I remember Dwayne it came. In, I, I remember like it was a, a spinoff. Yeah, from the Cosby Show. Dwayne Wayne was like a fashion icon. He was everything. Kadeem I don't Hardison remember that much. The, yeah. the guy. Yeah, if it wasn't obviously Sinbad out of that show, but Kadeem yeah. Hardison was the guy who popped in that show. Again, yes, I know Lisa Bonet. Don't at me. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, saying, I as far as a guy who kind of popped in that show, Kadeem Hardison was that guy. He didn't have a huge career afterwards. Yeah, but 
Ironically, though, uh, three people, two people besides Romano, are from Parenthood in really? this movie. I've never seen so Parenthood. So I wonder if that so. was on purpose. Was that a TV show? Yes. Yeah, see, I've never seen that either. Yeah, it's an NBC show, not a sitcom, but like kind of like a like a tape, you know, one uh, single camera kind of like dramedy. Okay. Uh, with Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. Ray Romano. Never seen that either. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I know of the Gilmore to... Girls, but I I could not tell this you is... one person that was in the Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's fine. Uh, really? You don't even know Roy Gilmore's character? No, no, nothing. Okay, I've fine. never seen one second of that show, so wow. I don't See, even know if there's... I remember seeing a, a like a cover for like a DVD set or right. like I don't even. I don't even know anything about it. I know there's girls in it. Yes. And they're from a town called Gilmore, probably. No. Oh. No, that's their last name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's like a gang of girls that hang out with the girl named Gilmore. Uh, well, it's a mother-daughter thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I love how we could do We'll just spin off this whole podcast and do explaining the, me explaining the Gilmore girls to Chad. Let's well, do it. What? We should do that. Like any any show that you had missed over the years, I'll be like, "Listen, man, the show had you, like 150 episodes." You explain a movie, yeah, I showed him me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Kadeem Artisan was in Parenthood, okay. for an episode All or right. two or something, and uh, Marguerite Moreau, okay, uh, who did you watch Wet Hot American Summer? Yes. Okay, so. The one who is the love interest, the the lead girl in that, okay, is the neighbor in this movie, okay, at the end, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she was also okay. I thought I recognized her. In Mighty Ducks. Did you see Mighty Ducks? Hey, I love the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, well, she played Annie, I believe. The what? Obviously, it's one of like two females in the whole fucking Mighty Ducks. Well, the, it was um, Charlie's mom. She wouldn't. That wasn't her. No, she was a girl. <laughs> She, she was, was a girl the same age. She was the, like, was she she was probably the uh, the one that was kind of dating the redheaded kid, right? Probably, probably, yeah. yeah. It's I can't remember long. names. Yeah, it wasn't the second one because the second one had a, a couple more girls in it. That the goalie. I think she still might have been in the second. In the one. second one too. Yeah. All right. I think she was in the franchise as it is. So okay. Like she oh she was forward. part of the gang. She was part of the yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. original Mighty Ducks. Yeah. I think I know who it is then. Many girls, so she's the girl. I think. I think, I think yeah. it's the. I think there was only one girl yeah, in the I think original. It's just her. Yeah. So yeah. So she goes back as far as that, but Wet Hot American Summer, I think, is where she pops. To be yeah. honest, uh, but she also did a turn in in Parenthood as well. All right, cool. So you got this kind of connection. I don't know if Romano had anything to do with it. You get a guy like that. Who the hell knows? Yeah. But especially though, she is obviously also a person who can hang with an improv movie, mm-hmm. even though it's a small scene. Yeah, very small scene. Um, yeah. But she obviously comes from that background, doing all the Wet Hot American Summer stuff. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. But you were saying about the scene in the farm. Oh, I was to say, uh, uh, you know, you meet this pharmacist, a uh, really nice guy, you know, whatever, and then you kind of like forget about him. Yeah, where the fuck is Phil, dude? But he comes back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes back at the bar. Yeah, which and that- you, it, it kind of, it, it kind of makes you feel like he's he's gonna have some kind of connection somewhere else in the movie. Yeah. But he kind of like that's the only other scene. He serves his purpose. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's and what it, I liked. It, they didn't yeah. drag it out. They didn't drag no, them this out. This movie is tight. It is yeah. basically um hour twenty something, maybe an hour and a half top. It might be an hour and a half, just because 
Isn't there some kind of rule that it has to be an hour and a half to be no, considered? No, actually, it's an hour eight is the feature. Is limit. it the feature yeah. now? Okay. There was a mo- I only remember this because there was a movie called Tadpole. Did, have you ever okay. seen Tadpole? No, Sir I never Ernie seen Weaver, it. Weaver, a few other people, uh, B.B. Newworth. And uh, I remember seeing that movie in theaters and checking my watch and going, get the fuck out of here. Because oh. it was basically like an hour 10, hour All right. 15. And I was like... Doesn't it need to be? And it, no, it doesn't. Oh, wow. I always thought it had to be like an hour and 20-something minutes to be considered a, a feature long that could be nominated for you know certain awards or yeah, whatever. Wow. Uh, from what I understand, it's like an hour eight. Wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, they should make good. more movies an hour and eight minutes. No then. shit. <laughs> I've seen some hour and a half ones where I go, they could have made this short. I've seen some two yeah. and change that should have been oh, an hour and please. eight minutes. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I, I I just like the fact that they they kept the movie about the two characters and they brought these side characters in every once in a great while. They only probably had what four other characters in this movie. Well, I, in my research stuff that I have up here, I basically only wrote down five characters. Yeah, because you have Michael and Andy, obviously. Yeah, you have Kadeem Hardison's character, the pharmacist. You, right. You have Nancy, the hotel manager. Yeah. And you have Marguerite Moreau, and then you have the, the little neighbor. kid. Right. Uh, yeah. So the the new. So family. basically, six uh, yeah. six characters. Six you, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The little kid who plays Evan, I think his name is. Mm. But God, if I know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's a very limited cast. So this movie was probably done in a very efficient manner, like. Uh, the one nice thing, and again, in the interview that I heard with the director where he was basically like, it's nice that he had a relationship with Mark Duplass, and Mark Duplass is also a nice guy to have on, on your roster when you can kind of be like, hey, man, I want to do this thing. You want to do it? He's like, yeah, that sounds great. I want to act in it. Let me make a phone call. And he calls up Netflix because the Duplass brothers have a relationship and a contract kind of thing yep. with Netflix. And they're like, yeah, sounds great. And then you can just go and do it and 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 it lets you kind of have this he called it a, a safety net where it's kind of like we can get a little weird we can do a little bit th- you can have a movie that's largely improv you can make a movie like this and it'll exist on netflix it won't cost a ton of money and it's not a big deal to them but it's a big deal to these guys from a from a creative standpoint to kind of have Car blanche. Yeah. You know, and, and it's impressive. And that's one of the nice things that you get from Netflix right now because you get that medium budget movie that doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's a, it's a perfect platform for a movie like this because, yeah. you know, if you release this movie in the theater, it's not making anything. No. Um, close to nothing. No. And um, it's a concise enough story that it doesn't have legs as a show either. Exactly. So it yeah. needs to be this. It needs to be exactly what it was. It needs to be that. And... Um, I, that's why I I really think Netflix is really hitting you know hitting the what do they say the head on the, the nail on the no, head or whatever. Sure. Uh, isn't there another saying with coffin nail on a coffin? <laughs> well, that's a little bit of a different. Well, I mean, it's I mean, relatable more, to this movie. Yeah, you're trying to be more apropos <laughs> to this one. Sure. Um, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just think with a movie like this, what Netflix needs to be and. Um, I, I don't think uh, the big budgeted movies that have come out on Netflix have done well. Right. But movies like this have done well. Right. Um, 
I don't know the analytics behind it about how they make money off it. I don't. I. I don't completely understand. I know it probably has views and well, it's subscription. It, based. Subscription. So, I mean, yeah. It's it's basically trying to create more and more reasons to keep people exactly. On Netflix, yeah. But I. I mean, I don't. I don't know but the. Stru- do I don't know the structure behind yeah. it. Sure. Like how they get paid. I mean, do they just give them a certain amount of money? Oh, it's a budget up yeah. front. Yeah. Like they figure they know they have the algorithm enough to know like this segment of our base will like this movie. So a budget of this makes sense for us to do. And they probably did this with like $2 million. Like, yeah, I, I can't see. I mean, Ray Romano probably did it really cheap. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Mar, you know, Dupuy was probably like, yeah, let's do this. And you, sure. like you said, it probably took four days to shoot. Like, I, it was just well. Actually, the way they did it, I would probably think it took a decent amount of time. You think, yeah. From what I understand, I mean, I mean, four. I was just being, thing. you know, being yeah. dumb when I said four. I'll say the shortest shoot I've seen lately, yeah, is like three to four weeks. Yeah. So even conservatively, if it's that, that's nothing. Yeah. Like you're talking about if you make a superhero movie, it's going to take you six almost, to nine months, yeah, maybe almost, longer, a, almost so. a year, right? And so, plus you got reshoots and yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing additional on this. You're just getting coverage. You're <laughs> yeah. letting two guys kill it in an open forum and then make sure you get everything you need and go. From there. This this could be almost a play for sure. Like I could I could see them doing this on a stage and and actually liking it. Yeah, like them just being on stage and having the couple actors come in and do their scenes. Yeah, and and it's just them sitting there talking. Yeah. You know, you you can you can hit a ball across the wall on a stage. I mean, <laughs> sure. to play Paddleton. Yeah. I mean, now, do you think? What did you think about the game itself? Like, what did you think it had? Like, a, like, what did it symbolize? Do you think it symbolized anything other than these guys are just good friends and they made this game up? I do. I think it speaks a lot to who they are and what their relationship is. I I, I thought about this. When I, when I think of their relationship, I think of a couple different things. One, I kind of see them almost as a Bert and Ernie or Charlie Brown and Linus situation. Yeah. Um, to where there's one that's a little bit more res- reserved. And then there's one that has that quirky, nervous. Uh, when, when he doesn't want to give up his hat most oftentimes, I basically had that Linus thing in my head of like, oh, that's his safety blanket. Safety blanket. So... It kind of leans into that, and and as a whole, the relationship kind of feeds into this, not immature, but basically a childlike, innocent relationship. And Paddleton kind of does that, and the kung fu movie thing. It it feels a lot like that. I'll I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. we, did you ever have a game that was basically your own and your friend's own game? Because I did. Uh, I I can't I can't recall I and, and you know after watching this this after watching this and then contacting you and then you know you wanting to do this I kind of thought in my head like did I ever come up I and no I don't think we ever did I think we just yeah. played games like we sure. played baseball and basketball and right we never really maybe maybe we would come up with like variations variations of the games yeah. like but they were but still even the game still, that kind of feels like what this is right it's kind of racquetball but it's kind of they just it's, did what was available exactly you know what yeah. I mean? it, and and that speaks to obviously not only where they live how they live but it also feeds into who they are they're these simple, simple people it's a simple game and it's something you can play repeatedly 
and not get bored. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I definitely had as a kid. Um, You know, we actually had, uh, (laughs) I don't know if I told you this before. We, when, when I was a kid, my, my brother and I would play with two other neighbor kids, this game called Jason, which was based on the Friday the 13th movies where some, it's basically like an insane game of tag where somebody is Jason Yep. And everyone else is, are his potential victims yep. that are running for their lives. Yeah. And so we would have this patch of land that uh, was actually the fire station across the street from us where you can't leave the grounds mm-hmm. and Jason can't run. But if he catches up with you and quote, kills you, you turn into Jason. Okay. And it goes on from there. So it's basically tag, but instead you had these kids who were running around screaming <laughs> because it's a horror guy, movie. And then just one guy and, walking around and, all slow. Right, and whoever was Jason was kind of Jason-esque. It was this slow, stalkery stuff, and my friend actually had like one of those retractable knives. So it looked like someone's literally getting chased with a knife. <laughs> All the time in my neighborhood. The good at old all days. Hours. The good old days. Yeah. And nobody said shit. You can't do that nowadays. My parents never said, hey, the neighbors are complaining. No one. No one said shit that we were chasing each other with knives. Yeah. So, so I felt a kinship to this where I was like, oh, that makes total sense that that's that kind of they invented this game. It's something onto their own. That's their entire existence. It's them. It them themselves are their world, and and a I, tough game, by the way. No, it's not easy at all. Get that it, little, that little ass ball in the garbage can. Yeah, and we we did that as a kid too. By the way, not not Paddleton, obviously, but like we uh, same thing at the fire station. There was like a brick wall, and we played tennis, quote unquote. Yeah, but it's not with a net. It's not back and forth. But we would basically play. Racquetball, you had to keep it in within distances yep. and all this stuff. Yeah, and you had sure, to we did that. Yeah. Side. So yeah, so they just came up with their variation yeah. and their and and to be honest, I thought about this because the first thing that came to my mind was one particular thing. I don't know if you did. Do you have any other games that you've seen on film that they did something like this and you go, oh, that would be a a killer thing to play or a killer thing that the might only the, the the very first thing that pops into my head is uh basketball yeah that's the first thing <laughs> that came to my head like yeah i mean everybody wants to play basketball yes everybody it's an honestly perfect game and even I if you hated know the, how there is an elite even if you hated the movie you wanted to play the game 100 percent. yeah you just wanted to be in that game and same yeah. thing with this you you can totally think this movie's not very good but you gotta admit paddleton kind of a fun idea and my number two and this is another big one, would be Quidditch. Oh, that's interesting. Because Obviously, uh, something a little more fantastical. Yeah. Uh, so to speak. It's something that you probably you you can't realistic- do. Right. But um, no, they, they, I, so I've heard they do variations of that game. Obviously, they don't fly on brooms. Right. Uh, but they do variations of that game at, at certain Harry Potter like events and stuff. Like They'll play Quidditch. Sure. Uh, so... Obviously, it's not the same game as you see on in the movies, but so so on the topic of assisted suicide. Yes, of course. Um, yes. <laughs> so so I mean, I wanted to, I, I, every time we do this, I I kind of take over the hosting job here. I don't <laughs> just yell at me, just yell at me. That's if fine, you, man. I, 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 I the question I really wanted to ask you, like throughout this whole thing, like this is the question that I came up before we even started doing this was sure. if you were 
I mean, you can't say because you're not in the situation. Yeah. But what what do you think if you were in Ray Romano's character's situation? Do you think you could go through the way that he went through it? Yeah. I mean, it was tough for him. Yeah, I mean, he like I said, he is basically the audience's character. Yeah. Everything is filtering through him. All the emotions where you're like, he should fight more. The 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 touchstones that he gets on is like, aren't you why are you giving up? Shouldn't you be fighting? Miracles happen all the time. Maybe he doesn't present it in the way that everybody would cuz he's a quirkier character, but he brings up these things that everybody would. And 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 you think and I think you would probably agree with this like he has He's in the in the he's in the tougher situation where I I mean only maybe beca- you don't agree with me only I- because of how Michael feels about it and once once you accept that this is an inevitability that you, that you're you're ahead of the game yeah compared to what your friends and the people around you are going to be because they don't they don't they don't literally they don't know what you're going through well it's a they can see it it's a selfishness in a way but in a not in a negative way. But in a way that you can't help but go, like Ray Romano said, he's like, I'm the other guy. You have to see me. I'm obviously paraphrasing that part. But like he says, literally, I'm the other guy. And you have to see him for, I'm not trying to delay you. I'm not trying to just take you out. I'm not trying to uh, change your mind. But I just... I'm not going to be normal. He says that. No, literally. And he says, I'm not going to be normal through this. And he tries and, hard to be. And he, and he tries hard to be. Yeah. And he, he definitely has, they have such a connection and he's his whole world. So you're saying things, if this was a a, a, a romantic entanglement, if mm-hmm. this is a, a husband dying and a, and a wife trying to rationalize it, you get a little bit maybe of a different story. Here. Yeah. And here, I actually find it, Refreshing because you don't see these type of relationships in men yeah. on the screen, mm-hmm. either in TV or film, and you get a sense of what it's like to get a, a masculine point of view of both of these sides. Yeah, because normally that wouldn't happen. So you're seeing it, and you're going, "I don't accept this. I accept it for you, mm-hmm. but I don't accept this." And then going through the stages. Over time, which again, more impressive now that you know it's an improv. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That they're like, listen, we're going to try to show these things, this evolution, but you're going to have to do most of the heavy lifting here. Yeah. And present it humorless or or, uh, in a humorous way is impressive. It was just like there was some. If you really think about this movie and the way it's gone through, it's an impressive feat. No, it is. Yeah. For such a simple movie on its face. When, um, when he was going through the whole process of uh, building up to the point where he he was gonna have to you know take the pills or whatever, yeah. Um, those are some of my favorite scenes too because, like like you said, like uh, Andy was trying his hardest to try to stay normal, but as Mike was fading away, yeah. Like there was scenes where like you if you if, I mean I'm not a big crier in movies. Mm. Um, yeah, but if there was, that, I think in the Christmas Carnival yeah. episode, yeah, <laughs> because, that but, I'm a sobber, you're you're not, and that you had a breakthrough. I I do I do cry in movies. Right. You had the breakthrough. You had that friend. Yeah, that you can cry in front of at the movies. Yeah, that you discovered. Yeah, um, 
And if I'm sitting by myself, I, I, cry, I cry when I'm by myself. And I watch this sure, movie by myself. Nobody's going to judge you. Yeah, exactly. But there was, scene, there was scenes where they were... And it's, and it's listed as a dark comedy. But if, if, it, if, it, didn't, if, it, if it wasn't funny... I probably would have cried, but I think mm. the fact that like there was a scene where um, he was talking to him and he wasn't answering him because he was yeah. pretty much sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And so he wakes him up. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of those. But it's just yeah. like it, it's because his character he was so his character was so well acted. Yeah. That you you knew it was like his quirkiness that was making it funny. Yeah. And but it was like this really depressing like scene. Yeah, it, it it was just fantastic how they did it, and it was just awesome. Like, it was a great yeah. movie. I I, I I can't recommend it anymore. I I've, to, I've been telling everybody the last couple of days to see it. Like yeah, it's it's just a wonderful movie. And yeah, it's it, an interesting sell, right? Because you're walking and going, listen, yeah, the movie is about cancer or uh, about terminal cancer, assisted suicide, but it's really not. Those are just the catalysts to bring about a relationship and how to deal with death. Yeah. So when you tell people, hey, no, it's got a couple of yucksters in this, a couple of guys with a comedic background, you go, oh, that's interesting. That's weird. But it, it's such a simple movie and it hinges on these two guys and credit to them both for for carrying this movie. Yeah. For carrying the, the weight of the of the story, the, of the drama of it, while still making it fun and enjoyable and fleshing out these characters, especially because you know... That like even small things like Duplass wearing a different kind of like quirky T-shirt all the time, yeah. Or or Romano probably potentially coming up with the the knit cap thing to kind of show his like reliance on things and this kind of nervous energy that I definitely identify with as a person who's been battling with anxiety for a long time. Yep. You kind of have those those things that you need to. To feel comfortable. If you see me at my day job, yes, I have a day job ripping the bandit off, guys. <laughs> I, this is not my moneymaker. So we don't podcast for a living. Yeah. If you want, I will start a Patreon we, if you feel that bad. For we me are Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> but at my job, like if you see me 90% of the time, I wear a jacket at my desk. Yeah. And it'll be like nobody else around me is wearing a jacket. It's not mm. that cold that I need a jacket. <laughs> but I will wear a jacket to kind of be like, oh, because everyone's looking at me. I'm so tensed up. I'm this uh, like I'm nervous. I'm got darting eyes, you know, that kind of stuff. It's that anxiety that like just hasn't fully gone away. Uh, now that's that's funny that you say that because you do do stand up comedy. Yes, where everyone's looking at you and all at everybody's looking at you. But I've heard from multiple comedians. Uh, Mark Norman is one that flat out says that he's very awkward, awkward in in groups and sure. and stuff like that. He, yeah. uh, what do they call it? Um, no, uh, there's a word for it that they call like uh, my friend Liz says she has it too. Uh, it's like a social uh, d- d- disease kind of thing that. You just get a nervous tick when you're around people yeah, sure. and stuff like that. Introvert, okay. introvert. introvert. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, you know they don't like going out. They you know rather stay at home or whatever. And Mark is one of those guys that he he says it all the time. Like he he's kind of an introvert. Yeah. But you see him on stage in front of. I mean, he's touring with uh, Amy Schumer doing yeah. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah. But it's just it's like, like one no, of those modes that you is one of those modes that you get into, I guess. Now I'm I'm in the complete 180 
degrees from what you're saying. Right. I like being the center of attention. Right. I'm not a stand-up comedian. Right. I wouldn't be able to get up on stage in front of 10 people and tell jokes. Right. I can do a, a live podcast where I'm hosting and stuff. Right. But I, I would never get up in front of people and tell jokes. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a complete 180. Well, I'll tell you, for me, it's about control. Yep. Because if if you're crafting jokes and you know you're, you've got these aces in the hole, so to speak. Yep. It's kind of like if you're going into a party and you know I have 10 to 15 stories at the ready that if anyone is, you know, there's an awkward pause or if there's some kind of circle of people, you could be like, hey, I got a funny story. <laughs> Imagine always having that when somebody's looking at you. Yeah. That you have instantly the best story to share with someone. That is stand up to me where I can kind of go. If you see me off stage, you know, I've gotten better over time. And I think stamp has actually helped me with my anxiety. Yep. I know that doesn't sound right. You would think it kind of it, but it forces you to face it all the time. But but does it help? But do, does it help if you're bombing? I mean, how I, I mean, bombing hurts for anybody. But there's some people who deal with it better than others. I don't deal with it very well. I mean, if anyone, I don't like people who don't, ha- who do handle it well, because to me that makes you kind of either a sociopath or it kind of makes you. It seems like you don't care. How about I care? How about how about for people like, because uh, Joe Rogan talks about bombing and he's kind of like. He he, he 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 it's not the saying that he likes it yeah but he kind of gets a different he, he exactly yeah. like you have to bomb to be good and everybody bombs yeah, in everybody comedy bombs. everybody yeah. has bombed at least once in their lifetime oh yeah but the yeah, fact yeah. that you can bomb and then sometimes one hour later be in a different venue yeah and absolutely and destroy the same material so it's just for me I'm I'm not I'm not a I'm not a person that um I don't care what people think about me or whatever like that. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. Stand stand up to me. It's I'll a di- it's a totally myself, different kind of beast. Is baseball. Yeah. And which is why I love baseball. Mm-hmm. If somebody hits uh, gets a hit 3 times out of 10, you're an all-star. Yeah. Comedy's kind of the same. Yeah. And obviously, hopefully, you get a higher percentage than three out of ten. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you just know going up there, there's a chance for could, either situation. Yeah. And you have to accept it every time. And you have to know that you know what you're doing. You've said these things before. And that you have this confidence in the material over time. It only develops by getting up on stage enough and being around long enough and getting to a point where you just don't care about what happens. Yeah. Not that you don't care about jokes, not that you don't care about being good. It's that you don't care enough to go, oh, that joke didn't work? That's not... I'll find out later when I record the set whether it's my fault or your fault. Yeah. But I know based on percentages, that joke works 85% of the time. If you're part of the 15... I'm sort of thinking it's you. <laughs> so yeah. so over time, you kind of just keep doing this new calculus no. in your head of like, I know this joke works 90% of the time. 
it probably should work 100, but you're an asshole. Yeah. And then you go, oh, but this joke is kind of working like 40%. I should work on that. Yeah. That's on me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, assisted suicide. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'll uh, wrap it up. I think that's going to be the the caption of this episode. Or like the... the It's going to be like, hey, this is Paddleton, <laughs> a.k.a. So about suicide. Uh, so, assisted suicide. So yeah. getting back to assisted suicide. Yes. I think the last question that I kind of want to address, uh, this will be my last question. How do you how, how well do you deal with death? Me like, personally, because, I don't because that was the one of the things that lingered with me with mm-hmm. this movie was I. <laughs> here's another thing, too, because we live in the Netflix world yep. where. Sometimes you get to watch a movie straight through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you watch a movie in pieces, broken pieces. up. Yep. Sometimes you watch things at home. Sometimes you watch things at a different place. Sometimes you watch the end before you watch the beginning. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just no, kidding. no one does that, Chad. So, and if you do, you're a very strange man. Um, and especially if you watch a movie like Memento, God help yourself. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, this movie yeah, right here. Exactly. Or yeah, good. <laughs> perfect movie to go fuck yourself. So, so but with this movie, uh, I watched it a couple times. And one of the times, I watched the ending on my lunch break at work. Well, that's probably not a great decision. No, not a movie like this. <laughs> so uh, I'm watching the movie and it gets to that. You know, where he's dying in, in the bed and, yep. and you got this whole thing and it's it's just an incredible, incredibly emotional moment yeah. and everything else. And I'm like at the brink of losing it and you're like, all right, I got like three hours of work left now. <laughs> I'm done with my lunch break and you got to kind of move on. <laughs> so it's one of those things. It, it, it stuck with me for the rest of the day. It stuck with me on the commute home. It stuck with me. Seeing my kids when I got home, it stuck with me hanging out with my wife after the kids go to bed. And it made me want to almost, you know, talk it out mm-hmm. with my wife to kind of work out the feelings that this movie brings up. Yeah. Because I have a strong fear of death. And so movies like this, you don't think about death all the time. You shouldn't. If you do, oof, tough, tough, tough existence. Yeah. Um, but there are people like that where they kind of think about it or maybe they don't think about it, but they're way more comfortable with it. So that way, if you bring it up, it's not a big deal. See, I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable. I with thought I was <laughs> until this movie. I think, again, I think we talked about this a little bit on the on the Christmas one in a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. But it's kind of like now that I have children and a, wi- and a wife and things of that, like that kind of set up. It has changed me as a person Mm -hmm. and it has changed how I feel about like an end of time scenario of who you leave behind. Mm -hmm. What have you established with these people? How to look at how you spend your time? You know, even just like, you know, I have I have a couple of people who I consider like probably my best friends. Yeah. And. And the, are the people who are closest to me. And after this movie, I wanted to reach out to them. I immediately <laughs> wanted to be, you know, like, hey, man, you know. I'm still alive. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm here. Do you want to hang out? Uh, you know, we got to start. We got to hang out more. Or even just a simple, like, I appreciate you. I love you in my life. And, and you know, I hope to see you soon. Just something simple because 
you never know when your time is up. And, so, and a movie like this just gives that gentle nudge. And actually, if I could uh, free jazz this a little bit, oh. there was, uh, I think it was from RogerEbert.com. Oh. There was a, a way they put it that I feel like they could say it better than, than what I could. Quote from them saying, Paddleton is an appreciation of friendship for better or for worse in sickness and in health. It's about the way your best friend notices things about you that you may not know about yourself. Even the movie's title, Paddleton, is an inside joke between Mike and Andy. It's a made-up racquetball-like game they play on the side of an old drive-in theater. It's yet another thing no one else looking at them would likely understand. There's a bittersweet feeling in the last few scenes of the movie as Mike and Andy are finally telling each other things they should have said before. We might not know when relationships will end or when loved ones will leave us, and Paddleton so gently reminds us that we're always running out of time to see each other, talk to each other, and quote our favorite movies to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that stuck with me with this movie, and I appreciate uh, that review from RogerEber.com that really summarized it in a poetic way that really spoke to how I felt about it. Yeah. That was a great answer. Um, <laughs> well, they helped. Yeah, but I was, I was, <laughs> I was more speaking about how do you like a death of somebody else, like not your own death. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, unfortunately, I've gone to too many funerals lately. But uh, like, how, like how do you, how do you, how do you think you fare in dealing with those though? Like, how do you, would you be able to like take this movie? Like, would you be able to do what he did? Like, no, uh, just like you know see that your 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 literally your best friend has the most comfortable ending to his life possible yeah and be able to put aside your own quote unquote selfish uh feelings yeah because you don't want to lose your best friend but you also don't want to see your best friend suffer it's hard to see what the reality of the situation is i think for myself I think I would be able to accept the reality, but also maybe not hate. deal in it, deal with it the same way he was able to. Like, I'd probably numb it out until it was inevitable, which is kind of what Romano does in this situation. Kind of live life as normal as you can, but while up until a certain point, outbursts. Yeah, because you can't hold it in all the time. And then you know, when the time comes when you have to face it, is when you're truly gonna probably break down. But you try to be as strong. As you can mm -hmm. when the time comes and and try to get through it. And I think Romano's character, like I said, is kind of felt very, very much a reflection of how a lot of us would kind of deal with this situation. Maybe we don't have his personality, mm -hmm. but the checkpoints are the same. Yeah. The stages of grief are the same. So, you know, you have the denial, you have the acceptance, you have the anger, you have all these things that he goes through seamlessly while still maintaining character, which is incredible feat. Yeah. And, and I think for myself that I, I would have probably handled it him. And I actually echo one of the things that he says in there when he says, I should have taken more time off of work. We should have done more things because there will be, there's never enough time. Yeah. Because Mike has the football. Mike is playing the game here. Mike yeah. is the person going, I'll tell you when I'm ready. Mm. You don't know when that's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. You figure someone who has less than six months to live is kind of going to 
what do you think the timeline is? Three yeah. months, four months, five months? Like, what is the timeline when he's going to go, no, now's the time? This is this is the time. He could have yeah. told you a week later. Yeah. So you never know. Never know. So you get lulled into this. I think you, know, you got. I, I think security. I mean, like you said, there's no way of actually putting our, ourselves into that situation unless we've been in that situation. Right. Um, but I, I think the best way to handle that situation is kind of how he handled it was just try to be normal as possible, yeah. even though you see your friend pretty much fading away to nothing. Yeah. Still try to be the same person. So even, 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 if, even though he's dying, he can kind of see it at the same time. Like, you know, he's pretty normal right now. Right. Like he's trying his best to be normal around me yeah. or whatever. I'm sure on the side, you're bawling your eyes out when you're sure. not in the same room with him. Yeah. But, uh, when you're in the same room or whatever, I mean, it's a tough situation, man. That's, yeah. and I think this movie just did a beautiful job just showing one way of handling it yeah i mean obviously there's wrong ways of handling it and right ways to handle it and who's to say which way is right and which way is wrong right uh but the way that he handled it is looking at myself i think that would be the kind of the same way i would be able to handle it too i do very well with death i I hate it i don't get me wrong I i don't wish death upon anybody right but i think with my 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 viewpoint of life like everybody's got to go at some point it's just your time to go it sucks when you do have to go but for something like that uh it's just you you hate to see it and i think it's up to that person when you know it's not up to you when it's going to end it's up to them yeah because you can't you don't know what you don't know what they're going through You, you can't even imagine what they're going through so yeah uh it's a tough situation man i i mean i see i saw my my grandfather go from like this happy person he, he's a bigger guy like he wasn't fat or anything but he was mm. a bigger guy he, he was in the navy like sure navy tattoos and everything and I, yeah. I he he moved in with my parents when he was dying and uh you see him fade away to literally nothing yeah and uh i remember i got the call saying that they were giving him his uh last last rights or sure. last last rights right yeah and uh you know he's in the bedroom right now, you know, nobody else really wanted to go in there and see him. But I was like, of course I have to go see him. It's right. my grandfather. Like yeah. he didn't look anything like the grandfather that I knew. Of course. But just he on his very last breath, I like, I kind of like felt good to be in there with him. And I kind of felt like he knew I was in there with him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying to myself. Sure. I don't know if he knew or not, but yeah, yeah, it's just like it, it's weird, man. Death, death is a weird thing, and I think this movie is is a good like this podcast. Like we're talking about a whole different bunch of things. Right. Like it just brings up a whole bunch of different things, and uh, I, I think it's a great movie for pretty much everybody to watch. I mean, yeah, blew me away how good it was. And it's got some good kung fu too. Man. <sighs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I hated about this movie, yeah, okay, the title. Was a little too close to Paddington, <laughs> so you don't want to mess up sure. and sit down and watch Paddington with yeah. your with your kids. With your kids, yeah. When you're not gonna see a bear in this movie, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want to get that mixed up. Might I also say when they come out with Paddington too, <laughs> when he's hanging out with the little kid, and the little kid has cancer. That's a weird. And they're gonna go. Something's wrong with this apartment. What? <laughs> You don't think they would reverse the roles? <laughs> have the little kid like not have like the you know Ray Romano have cancer, 
You don't love my that the apartment gave him cancer. That would make that would make a totally different part two. Yeah, that could be like a um, a James Wan directed, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> weird, yeah. weird, weird like uh, Exorcist kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. A, has that ever been done in the history of movies where a movie came out in one genre and switched totally switched to a different genres. genre? Juanwa, Juana Man. Like I know, like I know, there's like movies that kind of like to an extent. Fast and the Furious has a weird kind of switch. Yes, because it kind of started off as kind of like a quote unquote serious kind of movie. Yeah, and then it's more of a crime thing, whatever. Now it's James Bond. Pretty much like very unbelievable stuff happened all the time. Yeah, which is fine with me because I love those movies. but yeah, you go back but and it's watch. It's taking a pretty crazy turn. Yeah, you, you you go back and watch those first two. Yeah, and I mean even Tokyo Drift, like it was very realistic. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like well, I want to say four or five, just maybe when the Rock came in, right? And all of a sudden, it's just like this Rock became this like unstoppable force. Yeah. And uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, so that would be a good. I, I'm thinking. I was thinking maybe like. Um, like bigger movies like Star Wars where they have like these side movies mm. that like because like Han so- like Solo was kind of like a goofy right it wasn't really a science fiction yeah, fantasy a, it was like a action adventure yeah kind of yeah. weird kind of movie that put off to the side um, but yeah I mean that would be wild yeah if they made like a like a, a movie like this and then all of a sudden now you get, you get number movie. two, it's a, yeah, it's and it's a, because of the spirit inside that it's apartment. Contagion now. <laughs> that's just causing cancer to everybody that yeah. steps into that apartment. Yeah. And no, it, it turns into Aaron Brockovich, where now <laughs> Ray Romano is Aaron Brockovich going, This apartment is contaminated. This whole area is contaminated. We're dropping life flies. They're boobs, Ed. Yeah, no. That would be a great. It's a. It's incredible. Great, great sequel. R.I.P. Albert. <laughs> <laughs> we're calling Netflix after this. Yeah, no, no, it's it's done. It's already. It's well written. It's already done. Especially if it could be largely improv. I'm all about it. This is obviously not what you probably thought this conversation was going to turn into. Um, but was, I'm glad good, we hung though. out for that. It I'm was glad good. We hung on. It was good because, like, I, I honestly going into this, uh, going into this, I didn't know what direction we were gonna go into because I know we're two pretty goofy guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to tackle a, uh, you know, a very serious, um, even though the movie itself wasn't completely serious, right? Um, how we were gonna attack this episode, I, I think we did a great job with it. I think so too, man. Yeah, I think. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Oh, you're proud of me. I'm, I'm proud, proud of you. you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. And one other thing I'm proud of you for is you have an amazing charity event coming up. So yeah. Tell the folks about it's that. It's totally relatable, too. It's it's amazing. Uh, but, yeah, I'm doing a charity event. I did one two years ago. One of my buddies, um, kid, uh, two years ago had uh, been di- diagnosed with cancer. Uh, he was... I want to uh, don't quote me or anything, but I think he was six when he was diagnosed. Okay. So I did a fundraiser two years ago where we raised money to help pay uh, the the hospital bills and stuff for the family. So we raised a lot of money for that. Uh, we took a year off. Um, he he seemed to be doing okay. 
Um, and then, unfortunately, we lost him last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, eight years old. Uh, it was a devastating, devastating thing. Um, he, he was such a strong kid. And, like, if you ever talked to the kid or saw her on Facebook and seen the videos of him, you would never, ever, ever think, like, this kid was going through what he was going through. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, unfortunately, we lost him. So starting this year, um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to try to do one every single year um, this year. It's going to be March 30th. I know it's coming up quick, uh, but we pretty much rented out a gym like a big giant gym in yeah. Waterford, Connecticut. Uh, they have laser tag. Uh, they have uh, a Ninja Warrior obstacle course. They got an inflatable dance hall uh, that plays music and stuff. Uh, I'm going to do my live show. Uh, we're going to do some stand-up com- comedy, and then we're going to just have an adult night nice. where we're going to go out and play some laser tag, uh, see these fools try to <laughs> try to do the Ninja Warrior. Yeah. My roommate tried to do the, the Ninja Warrior obstacle course. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to get tickets, y- you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can either, A, go to my Facebook, uh, which is Chad Dizzle Davis, um, I think I'm the only one out there with Chad yeah, Dizzle Davis. So. <laughs> uh, so go ahead and friend request me. I think I have a, I think I have a public account. I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, but if you can't find that, go to Hanging with Chad podcast on Facebook, um, or you can go to Sullivan's uh, Toy Run. Okay, um, and they're part of the whole thing too. That's that's who I'm partnering partnering up to with. They Sullivan was the kid's name, okay. uh, Sully, and uh, he. Uh, they what they do is uh, last year they did a toy run and last year they got so much toys uh, and just stuff for kids that uh, they decided they can't do it this year because they didn't have the space. They were wow. they were literally uh, renting out lockers like uh, storage storage yeah. garages yeah. to fill with toys because they were getting so many toys. Wow! So this year they're asking for donations uh, f- for gift cards. Right. Um, and what they're doing is they're uh, going out and they're buying, um, you know, PlayStations, Xboxes, and stuff like that, video game consoles, uh, for when kids that have that have cancer have something to do inside the hospital when they're inside there. They buy right. these cool, like, they're not made for the public or anything like PlayStations that they can wheel around and stuff. Right. And so they're they're kind of expensive, but uh, we're raising money for that. So. Definitely, uh, you can go online and and go on Facebook and and message me or whatever if you want tickets. Uh, there, it's twenty bucks. Yeah, super cheap. No, you get a really fun night out. Yeah, it's completely reasonable for any night out, let alone to have it go towards an amazing cause. And we're doing auction ba- uh, baskets, uh, silent auction baskets. We got a bunch of like local uh, companies that are donating stuff. Oh, that's great. Um, so we're gonna do a silent auction for that, and then uh, the gym was. Uh, the guy, the people that own the gym, it's called Renegade, the gym. Uh, the name of the place that we're actually going to be at is called Blast Party Birthday Parties. Uh, they do awesome birthday parties for kids and stuff there. Uh, but they were so gracious uh, to allow us to use the whole facility. It's ours. Yeah. The, they said, you know, pretty much we came into agreement. Why don't we try to make more money, you know, for this great cause uh, and have people, you know, you know, for the extra activities, you know, donate five bucks or whatever right. to play these extra things. Yeah. Five dollars to play laser tag. No, it's incredible. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, I appreciate the gym doing it. Uh, just everybody involved, 30 Mile Brewing, they, uh, they, they have donated a lot towards it and stuff. So, yeah, it's just it's going to be a great time. Uh, hopefully I get a couple more people through this uh, to uh, join on. If you even if you don't think you can go you can still donate 
uh, there's still uh, on. I use the ticket. I can't remember the name of the the ticketing site that I used, uh, but there is a button on it that you can go on. Maybe you can put it in the um, the the description or whatever yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, I'll try to do that. Yeah. Um, but you, there's a donate button too, where you can just donate to the cause. Uh, so uh, we're looking to raise a lot of money. So it's for a great cause, and there's not much more I can say about it. It's just a great cause. Adult uh, night out, man. No kids. Yeah. Uh, just adults having fun. There's no. There's no alcohol. No, it's so we're actually gonna have a man. sober good time. Yeah, like which is great for me. Like yeah. I already told people we'll go out afterwards and there's there's bars down the street or whatever. Sure, yeah. But you know, it's a gym. We don't want people getting hurt if they're gonna yeah, play laser tag not. and stuff. So it's really um, not in the spirit of what's going on. Exactly. Here, so yeah, and you've been to my shows and stuff. You know, yeah. it's a great time. Yeah. Um, I got three great guests. I got Jeff Wade. I got your brother Jerry Morgan, yeah. and uh, I got Jake Bentley, yeah. uh, who's been on the show before, and he's a great he's a great guest too. So yeah, no, um, that's awesome. So definitely, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, come and check us out, man. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you doing that. I'm sure, obviously, the family does as well, and and the, the community for that. And I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thank nice you for having me out. on, man. Definitely, I, I had a great time this time. Yeah, great time. Yeah, last time abysmal yeah yeah i would get i would give it uh our last performance was probably a 7.1 okay this one strong 9.7 oh i 9.7 you heard it here first that's going on the poster (laughs) (laughs) the poster for paddleton (laughs) paddleton not paddington yeah (laughs) all right thanks man thank you